The ARA acknowledges the traditional owners of the land where we have recorded this podcast, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to the Elders past, present and recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders as Australia's first traders, who utilise a sophisticated network of trading paths that have facilitated the exchange of goods, knowledge and culture for millennia. Hi, I'm Paul Zara and welcome to a special Christmas episode of Retail Therapy. As the holiday season rapidly approaches, retailers are gearing up for the annual Christmas shopping frenzy. However, this year brings a heightened sense of uncertainty to the industry as Australians grapple with the challenges of the cost of living crisis, whilst retailers themselves contend with the burdens of the cost of doing business crisis. Joining me for some retail therapy today is Stephen Yunane. Stephen is co-founder and CEO at Retail Prodigy Group, the direct-to-consumer partner for Nike, Samsung and Mattel. He has a wealth of retail experience and I can't wait to hear his insights. Welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Thanks, Paul. Great to be here. Now, Stephen, what's the mood like for retailers heading into this Christmas um, this year? Uh, Is there any trepidation or perhaps cautious optimism? Yeah, look, I... From the from the retailers that I talk to, look, I would say it's probably more you know uh, cautious optimism. I, I, look, there's no doubt that I think we're all feeling a tightening of consumer spending. Um, I think for some of us that's happened sort of just more recently, like as early as September, and others have probably felt that a little bit earlier. I think it sort of somewhat depends on, I guess, the industry that you're playing in. You know, we've got a business that's quite diversified with sport, you know, consumer electronics and toys, so. Typically, industries that can weather some of the tougher periods, you know, probably more so than others. So, I would say overall that the general feeling seems to be around more, you know, you know, being cautiously optimistic. Now, you've got one big winner, and there will be winners and losers this Christmas. But one of the biggest winners and the biggest hype is around around Barbie and the Barbie movie. I'd like to understand a little bit about your partnership with Mattel and specifically about the popularity explosion of Barbie. It really has taken the world by storm this year with the release of the film. Now, what's your take on it? Well, first of all, yeah, we we partnered with Mattel earlier this year um, and Mattel had, you know, brands such as, you know, Barbie, Hot Wheels, Fisher-Price, Thomas the Tank, you know, all the brands we know and love. Um, and uh, we, we're also the direct-to-consumer partner with Mattel. However, we're, we've started with an online store on the e-commerce uh, platform first and foremost. Um, and look, the, the timing was perfect around the launch of the Barbie movie. And um, uh, look, I think like most hot product and probably the toughest job for any buyer is that you always you never buy as much of the stuff as the customer wants and always more of the stuff they don't want. Barbie was a classic example where um, look the the demand way out way outweighed the supply of that product and the Barbie movie absolutely was a, a roaring success for you know for, for Mattel. Um, now um, look, I think the the beauty of the movie, you know, because it did break a lot of box you know box office records, is that. I think this movie, you know, it was sort of a combination of the love that people have for Barbie, but also to the important cultural conversation that the movie provoked, you know, particularly around equality, diversity and inclusion. I think um, clearly it's it sort of, you know, it had broad appeal and, um, 
yeah, tackled, you know, probably one of the biggest, um, you know, sort of issues that we have in society. Do you have any um, unique takes on what you plan? Does Barbie just sell itself, do you think, or do you, you specifically need to uh, plan marketing and promotional strategies uh, going into this Christmas yeah. period? Look, Barbie does typically sell itself. It, look, you know, like it is one of the key franchise uh, brands in the world. Um, and uh, but look, the 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 sell through rate of Barbie accelerated dramatically. Um, you know, beyond all expectations. What's interesting about Barbie, though, is that there is essentially a sustained marketing campaign around around Barbie from the launch of the movie. Um, all the way through till next uh, next March, where it's Barbie's sixty fifth birthday. So she looks fab- fair- she looks fabulous for it, don't you think? <laughs> she, she does um, in all various shapes and sizes, ah. right? So, um, but no, so yeah. Look, it's um, I think Barbie and Barbie related products will be a sustained program over a period of time, um, and um, you know, again, we'll see more product hit the website. Um, as I said, we've been uh, caught short, you know, with uh, really high demand. Uh, however, we're working hard with Mattel to try and get back into stock of some of the key items that the customer's looking for. Is it harder being in, in a small market like Australia and getting getting access to that inventory? Uh, look, look, it is. You know, we... You know, we, we're very small. You know, it's only very early days for us, and um, and in, and quite frankly, it was a soft launch to the market as we look to try and build an assortment for the Australian consumer. Um, but we're focusing more on experience and providing, um, you know, a broader range of the key franchise product. So not just selling the doll, um, but you know, what are all the other items that you know surround Barbie? Um, you know, our role is to sort of elevate the experience in the in the marketplace, um, and but that will take you know some time um, as we've just launched uh, the brand here in Australia. The, the sorry, uh, the e-commerce site in Australia. Yes. It's a global brand, um, and it's a global brand, and you just launched in from an e-commerce p- p- perspective in Australia. Have you noticed any key differences between the Australian marketplace and other markets? Yeah, look, I'd say that in Australia, unlike some of the other marketplaces, is that we, the you know, the product is mostly or maybe overly represented in uh, the discount department store channel, mm. um, whereas other markets we've got more of an established specialty toy channel. Um, I think you find that, you know, uh, brands can sort of uh, offer um, both a broader selection and more of a premium experience um, across various channels. So I think the one thing that's probably maybe a little bit unique to Australia is that um, outside of you know, general department stores, the discount department stores have probably got the you know uh, the lion's share of the toy you know, the toy market. Now it's uh, Barbie's been an iconic brand for decades. It's um and it's been really known for. Um, its innovation to reinvent itself. I mean, you're saying it's going to hit, Barbie's going to hit 65 years, which is quite phenomenal. Mm. Do you think innovation, is innovation a part of promoting the Barbie brand or is it more about remaining nostalgic? Or, or maybe is, is it a bit of both? Yeah, look, I actually think it's a bit of both, Paul. I think, um, you know, I think that uh, Barbie itself has evolved. Um, it hasn't, you know, um, yeah sort of uh, being entrenched in, you know, stereotypical Barbie. Um, she has evolved, the, the doll has evolved, and um, and we're seeing that come to life, you know, in all different versions of Barbie, you know, whether it's through 
you know, ethnicity or whether it's around disability, you know, we're seeing that brand evolve. And um, I think it's because of that that the brand has such broad appeal, and particularly with young kids. I, I think, um, you know, we, we, you know, we know that kids love to play and kids are curious. And so I think Barbie now can stimulate that sort of, um, you know, that joy of play and celebration of unique differences, you know, that we all yes. have uh, in society. So I think it's um, it's certainly take on a very strong purpose, I think, in the role that it can play. And you've you raised some good points there because I, I guess what's happened is it's now reflecting a wider range of cultural backgrounds and identities as a franchise. And I think the benefits are really clear, right, because for particularly for young girls but also for young boys, they mm. can't be what they can't see. And I think it gives them some inspiration. I mean, Barbie has an amazing history. It's something I didn't know up until um, watching the movie around being, you know, the fast, first woman to be an astronaut and those sorts of mm. inspirational aspects. In fact, we, we saw her as being a skinny blonde but in fact it was much more than that and I think in the current um, uh, movie you sort of get a sense of um, how Barbie um, appeals to all shapes and sizes and colours and I think um, that has great benefits for wider society. Correct, correct. How did you enjoy the movie? Um, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was um, uh, so much more complex and much richer than I envisage and I need to watch it again because um, I thought there was a lot going on in there and I think uh, more of an adults movie but I think for a, for a young child to watch a movie like that they may not get all the um, no. the nuances but they certainly the colour, the movement, the um, the difference between the Barbie I grew up with is phenomenally different so I think it's really quite an inspiring um, an aspirational um, movie for, for 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 all genders. So mm. yeah, I really loved it. I can't wait to watch it again. All right. Now, did, well, how, how did you enjoy it? Have you met Margot Robbie? More importantly, <laughs> no, I haven't. Um, okay, well, Stephen, you got to make sure uh, you, I'm on your I'm your plus one when you get that invitation. <laughs> well, look, I was uh, fortunate enough to be in, um, I was invited by Mattel to the pre-launch, which was awesome, and then watched it again with my family at home because again, a bit like you, there is there is so much in that movie and so many themes and messages that you've got to watch it, you know, multiple times to really capture that. Um, and they've got a really beautiful way of bringing the message across in some really, you know, in some humour as well. Yeah, so I agree, great, agree. Great job, great casting. Now, so, I, I, um, I could talk Barbie all day, but we haven't got time for that. <laughs> I guess the um, question for you that's on my mind, given the brands that you, and you've been a brand builder for many decades, mm-hmm. in light of the ongoing digital transformation, what role do you see e-commerce playing uh, in your Christmas sales strategy this year? Yeah, um, so because we have the three brands, you've sort of got, you know, um, you've got the Nike and Samsung brand that's predominantly bricks and mortar, and then you've got Mattel, which is purely digital, purely e-commerce. So from a Nike, Samsung point of view, I think that what we continue to see in in those two industries is high levels of research online and then coming into store and purchasing. So we'll continue to see that. Um, But then we've also got on both brands the focus on membership, you know, the focus on building, you know, loyalty. Um, And so we see that through the way that the brands communicate to the consumer uh, and drive a sort of a, you know, a call to action that which then, you know, drives traffic into our stores. Um, for Mattel, though, it's purely e-commerce. We have no physical stores. So um, that one, you know, we're going to be reliant on, you know, the various marketing campaigns, um, you know, the, the, the slow build of our database that we're building up, 
um, how we use social channels to, yes. to continue to promote, um, but also to how do we sort of bring a unique proposition to Christmas giving. And so we're working on some strategies there to sort of surprise and delight the customer around, um, you know, the very important, you know, uh, giving period. Now, you, you think about um, most of these iconic brands are now moving into physical locations and the brands that you look after the uh, outside of Mattel, Nike and Samsung have established retail footprints. Do you see um, Barbie having potentially that opportunity in the future? It's a good question. I mean, I, I hope so, you know, because, you know, we love retail and we love bricks and mortar retail. Um, I think we've got a lot to learn around not just Barbie, but the other brands that sit, sit underneath the Mattel, you know, stable brands. And um, but I think that um, uh, I think there could be an opportunity down down the track. Um I think uh, it's going to really come down to, I, I think, the size of the assortment and whether or not we think that can sustain a physical store uh, based on, as you know, the you know the, you know rental wages that we yes. have to sort of be factoring in based on the margin. So um, I'd love nothing more for that to be the case, but I think we've got a long way to go before we get there. And Stephen, I did say we'd, we'd move off from Barbie. Now I'm truly <laughs> fascinated. But so taking that a step further, why, why would somebody shop online on the Mattel website to buy a Barbie doll as opposed to a discount department store? Yeah, it's a good question, Paul. I think because um, price is, you know, price is a challenge in the in the industry. I think for us, it's going to be sort of um, as we look forward, you know, maybe uh, being able to offer some exclusivity. Um, so things you might only be able to get online. Right. Uh, maybe premium product, maybe even collector product it might be something we might be able to see down down the track first to market. So sometimes you've got these fans of the brand that want to be first. Um, we're certainly never going to be able to compete on price, and that's not what we're about. I think for us it's going to be about the experience that we can provide, and I think that over time as we build loyalty and we build a member base, we'll be able to provide them with other sort of, you know, benefits uh, besides, you know, besides price. And I think one of those things will be range because the Barbie range is is very extensive, mm. um, but most Australians are uh, – uh, mostly only know about the, the you know the dolls and the, the you know the doll house etc um you know when we get into apparel and accessories and you know maybe makeup i mean who knows how big yes. the range could be around that brand barbie um i think that's what we're thinking about longer term look that's that, that i mean the the opportunities are endless you could also have Mar- margot robbie deliver each barbie doll before christmas that would be a really good strategy for you so i'll leave that tip yeah, I'm with sure you she's got, i'm sure she's got plenty of time on her hands i'm sure she has <laughs> Now, look, when you've, you've seen lots of Christmases, Stephen, so I, I guess, you know, um, and each Christmas has some some differences. Um, what what have you learned specifically or any lessons you've observed in trends from previous um, holiday periods? Yeah, well, look, I think first of all, I think the key trend is first of all the the traffic trends. So you think about, you know, sort of the kickstart around Black Friday, then all the way through till sort of the first week of Boxing Day. I think the campaign is longer. Um, so you're dealing with uh, managing, um, uh, I guess, the, uh, I guess your labour over yes. that period of time. And I think uh, for us, it's been about really getting into, I'm talking down to micro data around um, traffic by hour, and then customer conversion by hour so that we can really think about 
how do we plan our resources, our team, over that period of time to make sure we've got the right people in the right place at the right time in our stores? We've been doing that for the last couple of years, and that really has been a significant um, uh, sort of impact to the performance that we're getting is just – you know, using data to help us inform, you know, you know, uh, what's the right headcount and how do you optimise your rosters. Mm. So I think that's, you know, that's one thing. There's no doubt that, um, you know, inventory planning and inventory management is also important around this time of year. Again, the period has been stretched out um, and um, you've got to be really careful in your planning that you don't, um, you know, uh, bring too many sales forward to the point yes. that you don't have enough inventory to then to serve consumers as you get closer to sort of Christmas. So uh, it's become more complex. Um, but I think for us, it's always going back to the sort of the, you know, like the keep it simple, like really ensuring that you've got a team in your stores that have, you know, really well planned and prepared for the period. Um, as a support team, making sure we support our stores the best that we can. So it's almost... You know, you know, staying out of their way and all that, and, and I guess enabling them to serve customers because you know we have the bulk of our traffic coming through our stores over that period of time. Um, so um, yeah, that'd probably be the thing, the, the biggest sort of you know, I guess um, sort of lessons that we've learned, and we continue to improve on that. We're seeing over the last, I mean, we've had two record Christmases, let's face it, over the last two years, mainly driven by um, the impact of the pandemic and also the move towards shopping online, which has forced people to shop early to take in lead times. When, when you think about this Christmas, how do you see, and we've had record Black Friday, so the globalisation of these promotional events, um, mm. uh, record Black Friday, how do you think Black Friday will go this year? Mm. Yeah, look, I think... Um I think it'll probably, um, I think for most retailers, probably be better than last year. I think mm. there will be sort of this value customer, this value consumer, value conscious consumer that will be probably out there more so looking to pick up a bargain early as, you know, as we know, there's pressure on, you know, household spending. Um, um, I think, um, look, I think for us, we probably still see, the Black Friday sort of period being um, the softer of the three. So if I was to think about three periods, yes. and I was thinking about sort of the Black Friday period, then I was thinking about the pre-Christmas, and then I think about post-Christmas and Boxing Day. Um, for us, the Black Friday five days is probably still the softer of the three campaigns, um, with you know our biggest period being that post-Christmas Boxing Day sale period. Um, and again, I think that will be a little bit dependent on various industries, various markets will probably trade differently. Because mm. I understand that some retailers even have their Black Friday period even bigger than their Boxing Day period. Yes. Now that's not the case for us, but um, you know I think some retailers have already got to that stage. Is that because mainly because of the type of merchandise you're selling that you're sort of really brand builders and come Boxing Day, you're really clearing out inventory to prepare for the next season intake? Correct, Paul. That's that's exactly right. Look, typically we only participate in Black Friday because the consumer expects it. We yes. don't sort of use it as a way to sort of clear. It's For us, it's more about, you know, offering customer value through that period of time. Um, for us, yeah, our, you know, our clearance period is through that Boxing Day trade. And um, so to put it in perspective, our Boxing Day trade is probably 30 to 40% higher than the Black Friday trade. Right. 
Now, you're a global brand builder. You're dealing with global brands. Now, when you think, you mentioned before, we're, we're sort of a small market, so often one of the, the last uh, to be uh, shipped. Uh, when you think about supply chain disruptions um, coming out of the pandemic, um, the phenomenon that you're dealing with, with with Barbie, is inventory something you lose sleep over? Uh, n- not anymore. Um, yeah, there were, there were periods there, particularly through COVID, where um, we were really challenged, you know, with getting access to inventory um, and some of the supply chain delays and cancellations. Um, we feel like that we're past that. So for us, it's mostly about um, having good forecasting and good planning on the hot items. Now, I just shared the example with you on Barbie, right? Yes. Um so how much we could have controlled on that, I don't know, but we know we underbought there. Um, but the same can be said for Nike and Samsung. There are going to be some key items, you know, um, some good you know, gift-giving items that we're going to have to make sure that we're well prepared for and planned for. And so, um, and now we've bought a Nike already. Samsung, you know, we buy a month a month out, so we've got time there. But yeah. um, Nike, we're done. We're, you know, we've just got to, uh, ensure that what we bought <laughs> is the right product and the right depth of product. And but I think you know after ten or twelve years of history, you start you know build yes. up you know some intelligence on you know on what the customers might be looking for. You do, and I think every retailer listening to this you know knows the complexity of uh, managing inventory. But equally, those mm-hmm. consumers that are listening to, to this um, podcast series will know that if they see a Barbie doll and they like it, they should buy it because it may not be there or, or um, replenish Correct. the next time they're there. So you might sell a few more at full price. Uh, Stephen, no. <laughs> thank you very much for joining us for Retail Therapy, sharing your insights. I wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you, Paul. It's my pleasure. All the very best.